Welcome back. This is the Brutally Honest Loan Officer Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Derek Brown, and this is Stephen Brock. Stephen, say hi. Hi, everyone. So excited for another podcast going on today. Um, you know, we just got off of our uh, corporate coaching call going over some annual mortgage reviews. So this kind of goes right into that, you know, discussing what happens after you purchase a home. Yeah. So, I mean, you work so hard to save up money, have the right credit score, do everything that's needed in order to purchase a home. And then what? Now that you've done it, you don't need to save money again. You don't have to worry about your credit. It doesn't matter. Uh, the house will clean and maintain itself. There's just nothing for you to do afterwards, right? Exactly. Bro. No, <laughs> no chance. It doesn't, it doesn't do that. No chance. <laughs> like everything just, you just took on a ton of responsibility. Uh, after buying a house, there's just so many things you got to look out for. All the spam mail you're going to get. I literally had a customer that closed two weeks ago and he sent me six different little pieces of mail uh, that it looked like it was the mortgage from our company reaching out to him saying like, we've been trying to reach you. And he's like, have you really been trying to reach me? No, dude. Like I would <laughs> I just call you if I knew this is all spam. <laughs> and he's like, this is really misleading. Like it's kind of terrifying. I was like, I know, but you know, people have... don't, they don't realize like all that. When you close your mortgage, it goes into the public record unless you, I mean, the mortgage is still there publicly, unless you, you know, some firefighters, police officers and stuff like that, like um, can hide their, their address. You can hide but, it, or if you do it in a trust, sometimes yeah. you can avoid it. Just depends. But you're going to, they're going to, they know who did your mortgage, the mortgage firm or whoever did yep. it. Like they're going to see it. That's public information. And so they will send you mail. And if you look in the fine print, it'll say like not associated with a mortgage firm. But it's such yeah. fine print on, you know, page 10, whatever they send you. So, but I mean, I just, I tell my clients, once you, once we close, you're going to get a ton of mail. Anything that looks, you know, official or important, take a picture, send it to me. Almost every single time I'm going to tell you, shred it. Yep. So you know it's crazy just, is... those companies are only keeping my clients in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Is like, so I close on my house almost three years ago to the day of our new one. And I'm still getting that mail. Oh yeah. Still getting it. Well, and you're a veteran too. So yeah. Like they're probably targeting veterans and stuff like that. Looking out for that Earl. Yeah. They're waiting. But, but like you said, saving money, that, that is a huge one. You save so much money to purchase that house. And especially if you're going from renting to buying, you, you saved all that money you know, you use it in there and now, now what do you do? What if something breaks? What if X or Y or Z happens to the house? So you need to start putting money aside for at least three, six months worth of living expenses or emergency fund, whatever you want to call it. So that if something does happen, you have something to fall back to. Because there's no more, especially if you're renting, there's no more calling a landlord like, hey, this is broken, come fix it. Like, right. yeah, you're, you're going to tell somebody to come fix it, but it's going to cost you money to fix it. Dude. And I tell people this on a regular basis and it's from personal experience. So when we bought our first house, we closed in May and the end of August, our AC unit died. So we're in like the heat of the summer and our AC unit no longer works. We've got to get a whole brand new one. And it was like back then, um, it was like $6,500. Like my wife was so upset about it. Like she was almost in tears. 
uh, she was ready to like call her mom and ask for a loan. And I was like, Hey, like we have the money saved. Like this sucks, but at least we have the money. Like that's what savings is for. You know? So we ended up having to go into savings and buy a new AC unit. Uh, but had we not had some savings, we would have had to then take out a loan, do the, you know, 12 month financing or something or borrow from family or something like that. And that's just usually it's not the best move. So luckily we had some savings and it's just from my own personal experience, I've been telling that to every single person I talk to about buying a house, you've got to recoup your savings. Um, and it's just like, a lot of it comes into the maintenance, you know, like maintaining your home. When you buy a car, you don't just drive it for four years without getting an oil change or new tires or rotating and stuff like that. Um, so you've got to do the same thing for your home. You've got to check the roof. You got to check the plumbing, uh, air conditioner. So all appliances, you know, make sure you keep your warranties filed. And if you don't know what to look for, a lot of those companies offer super cheap maintenance contracts. Like I've got a buddy who's a plumber, $99 a year. And he visits two times a year to check all of our plumbing. That's worth it to me. You know, and then I've got an HVAC guy, similar concept. Comes out, checks everything, you know, reminds me of like uh, regular monthly maintenance, you know, the, like change the filters, uh, do the vinegar and stuff like that. There's just little things that can, you know, make your home last so much longer without something breaking because uh, it's expensive. Owning a home can be expensive. Now, it's usually a smart investment, but not maintaining the home is also going to hurt your property value. So it's just there. I can't say it enough. Maintenance is one of the most important things you can do when you're a homeowner. Keep you those warranties. What What about uh, then you start upgrading the house, looking yeah. for more, you know, energy efficient appliances, especially with an older home, more energy efficient appliances, windows, uh, um, insulation. Like like you said, you know, keeping the house cool. I mean. Being in Florida, like especially in newer homes in Florida, a lot of our houses are very, very, very tightly built. That you know, this time of the year, it's like, oh my gosh, like the AC doesn't run at all because it's once it's cool, it stays cool. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, we've had some cooler weather lately, so windows open, breeze coming in. Yeah, it's kind of nice. You just need stuff to circulate, but you know, if you have an older home, you might have where you need to check the window. Sometimes it's just re having somebody come in there and recock around the windows so air doesn't right. leak out kind of thing right um i mean and there are certain upgrades i know in our first home we did a small kitchen remodel we did a little bit of a bathroom remodel um we totally changed landscaping in the front yard and backyard i will say though like i was not prepared for the kitchen remodel because i didn't think about the fact that we weren't going to have a sink for a couple weeks and that led to us like doing dishes in the bathtub. Like that's just not something I <laughs> I thought about. Um, didn't really plan that one through. Um, you know, but I mean, it's just stuff like that. And but that also, when we went to sell our house, we had a renovated kitchen. You know, upgraded bathrooms, um, newer landscape. Um, we also, I mean, we had had a hurricane come in, um, come through. Insurance claim got us a new roof. You know, so that was something that helped us. Um, and that's another part of, you know, homeowner's insurance. That's something you can review annually, you know? So if you're not looking at it annually and you get your renewal in the mail, and you don't pay attention, there's a good chance it's increasing, especially over the last couple of years here in Florida. 
um, there's been somewhat of an issue with homeowners insurance, you know, and there's been some companies that are simply dropping, you know, they're leaving the state, they're not writing new policies, so they'll continue to work with current ones, but they're not writing anything new. So then you're getting non-renewed. Um, some insurance companies then don't try to put you in a different, um, with a different insurance company or carrier. You know, so the next thing you know, you don't have homeowner's insurance and the mortgage company puts you in a forced place homeowner's insurance policy, which are like three times expensive, three times as expensive as a normal. You know, so that's another thing. You know, once you're a homeowner, every single year, make sure you're reviewing your homeowner's insurance policy, looking for any savings. If you put a new roof on, get a wind mitigation done, send that to your insurance company. You should be able to get a credit. Um, that should lower, you know, the total cost of what you're paying each year. Yeah, the homeowner homeowners insurance is the biggest one that you need to review. Like you said, every single year with it. Right. You know, there, there's going to be there is it's going to increase just over time. Things increase, so it's going to increase. But when right. you see those jumps, that those are that's what you need to start questioning. You know. Right. Um, like we were talking before, just doing mortgage reviews for clients that. People are saving money on it where we just, hey, your mortgage, your insurance doesn't seem right. I'm going to send this to somebody. They review a forum, you know, an insurance broker. And like, yeah, this is what it needs to be. And we're changing it to this. Right. And, you know, saves it. Well, I mean, if you think about somebody that bought a house too, like let's say four years ago and they bought it for, you know, $500,000. So the, the value that when you look at um, the homeowner's insurance policy, it usually takes in the account of like the cost to rebuild the home. So it's not going to um, have a policy amount for 500,000, but let's just say four years later, the house is worth 750. And are they still insured for like 400 and change? You know, so if that house does burn down and they get 400 and change, that's not going to cover the rebuild of the house, you know, so your insurance policy should increase over time as your home value is increasing. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a little annoying um, if you like, you know, the lower payment, of course, but you get what you pay for. So you want to have good insurance that, you know, is properly covering your house. The, uh, the other thing we see is, is with, with the home, just a homeowner insurance is somebody replaces the roof. Hey, it's time to replace the roof. They never tell the insurance company. So the yeah. insurance company is still going off of when they first got insurance from them. And, you know, as the roof ages, they're just saying, hey, the roof is now this many years old, this many years old. And you had to replace yeah. like you need to do a windmit report, give it back to the homeowner insurance. And say, hey, my roof was replaced. Here's the windmit report. And they're going to lower your insurance based off of the new roof you have. You yeah. Know, I have so there's the a couple roof, of years. Plumbing. Um, HVAC. And then the hot water heater. Those are like, along with the roof, those are the four big ticket items that really affect how much your insurance costs. Yeah, so if you replace any of those, let the insurance company know, hey, got a new hot water heater. The previous one was 20 years old. Fantastic. You should get savings, you know? So, but a lot of people don't, you know, think to let them know or don't, don't even know that they should update their insurance company. Yeah. So other thing, property taxes. Hey, yo, you got oh. until March 1st, everybody. So this, this is, is your reminder. File reminder. for Homestead. File. If it is your primary residence, file for Homestead. Uh, we were we were on our coaching call and one of the coaches said they had a client that bought in 2020 and never filed for Homestead. They would have been saving 
think you said over $800 a year. Or $800 a month, yeah. Or a year, a yeah, year, $800 a year. a year. He would definitely file for home. The other thing is when you're fi like firing for homestead, it locks in the, the, the current value of that house where the taxable value, so they can only increase it so much. You know, per yeah, it's year, capped what three percent per year? Three percent. Yep. So they can yeah, only so you, increase. You're going to have the first year where it reassesses usually, yep. and then after that, it can't increase more than three percent. Uh, so I mean, think about what that could save you over. Not your taxes. You it's not it. your tax. It's your your taxable value. Right. So I mean, if your county decides to raise taxes, the millage rate of taxes, then yes, your taxes can increase more than three percent, but it's your taxable right. value. So you bought it for easy numbers, two hundred thousand. 3%. So the next year, they can only say it's worth 206 for taxable value. Right. No, so that's, that's that. And, and if anybody's listening to this too and thinking like, oh, I didn't file for Homestead yet. I had a buddy that worked at our company who went 10 years without filing for Homestead. He thought he did for whatever reason. And then sure enough, we looked into it because um, he got an increase and he's like, man, I get an increase every year. And I'm like, buddy, you probably don't have Homestead. He's like, of course I do. Sure enough, he didn't. It was over ten years. Yeah. Well, so. What's what's most counties? I mean, I doubt they're gonna go back ten years. But like, if you didn't file, you know, you're supposed to file in twenty three, and now you're filing here in twenty four. If you go to the county now, you have to go in person. Some of them will push it back to twenty three and say, okay, this is well, when your homestead, and we'll give you the, you know, the money back with it. And I think most counties will do it. Um, like there's a three-year timeline, I think. Uh, but that's also the three-year timeline uh, relates to portability too. So if you owned a home, like I live in Seminole County in Florida. And when we sold our house, we were able to transfer the amount of homestead exemption we had on the first house to our new house in the form of portability is what they call it. Um, so that's just, you know, additional savings. It's our homestead from the first house, you know, added to you know, this one for additional savings. Um, so it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things, super important, really easy to forget, but super important, um, to file for homestead. I mean, it, um, it, it's so simple to do, you know, everything's electronic. Now you could easily just go on the County website and apply for it. As long as you do it on time. If on you time. wait until after, like I bought a house last year, I had until March 1st in order to do it. After that, I think you have to go in person. So, all right. So now that we, we filed for Homestead, we've got a good mortgage insurance or uh, homeowner's insurance policy. Um, I'm getting accustomed to my new payment. Like what, what next? This is a time where once you've got accustomed to that new payment, could you pay more? You know, start paying a little bit extra towards principal. Um, that what's the calculation? So one extra payment, like full payment towards your principal per year takes seven years off the life of the loan. So you take... A 30-year mortgage down to a 23-year mortgage just by making one extra extra payment towards the principal. Yeah. You know, so that's where, you know, and I've talked to customers too, where they're like, oh, I'm definitely going to pay more. Well, just get used to the new payment first. And if you've got excess savings and you want to pay down that mortgage loan sooner, by all means, go for it. Yeah. It's when you have the perfect world. You got everything saved up. You have that emergency fund, you have the other stuff, you know, um, whatever it might be, uh, investments and stuff like that. And you're just like, I have a little bit of extra, I'm going to put in. Uh, I do, what we do in our household is whatever the payment is, 
we just round it up to the nearest hundred. So it adds, you know. So if it's 2450, you go 2500. Yep. So it's exactly the same every single month 2500, 2500, 2500. I mean, we were doing that for, for the longest time on our old house. I mean, it does. It does just make that uh, mortgage become less and less. So you know, over the year, we'll add enough to it. Probably not, you know, for the one, but it adds a little bit more to it. And it's something that we could easily do, you know. Right. And budgeting every month, you already have a calculator. Like, oh, it's 24 or something, whatever. Like, no, it's 2,500. Easy math. Boom, yeah. done. Easy math. Easy math. So taxes are done. Do you make an extra payment? Insurance is done. What about is it time to do some renovations as a time to um, more home improvement projects. You know, what right. we don't want a lot of people like, Oh, I'm going to put a pool in because it's going to add so much more value. Huh. And it does not at all. I mean, I think on the appraisals that I have seen, the high, I think what I can remember the highest amount that I've seen appraiser give a pool to a non pool house was like $25,000. I had a customer with a very, they were buying a very, very nice house with a very, very nice pool. And they got 40,000 compared to another similar house with no pool. Um, but when my wife and I, again, that first house we bought, we loved one house. And then there was another house down the street, exact same floor plan, same model, everything. And it was $10,000 more. Why was it $10,000 more? Because it had a pool and the other home didn't. So we bought a pool for 10 grand. Yeah. Is it like so there's no way we could have built a pool for 10 grand. Heck no. But that previous owner that put in the pool. A, can you build a pool for 40 grand? I mean, um, I think a regular pool. Uh, you can gonna... get an awesome above ground pool. Yes. <laughs> yes, you could do that. Um, yeah. but uh an in-ground pool with the deck and screen enclosure and stuff like that. I don't think so. I don't even think you're gonna be be close to it. I don't even think you could do it at cost if you were a pool builder. No, I, I don't think so. So if you're adding a pool, you're adding a pool to use it, not to increase your value. That's the biggest right. thing. Do it for the it. right reasons so, because you want it and that's okay. Yeah. So that's the thing. Are, are you, if you're doing home improvements, there are certain home improvements you can do that are going to give you more value than others. By percentage wise, you know, you might have a return, uh, an ROI on it, like 94, 96%. So you're going to get a lot more out of it, but you, you have to be knowing that you're using these things to, you know, it is it not necessarily just increasing the value. Is it helping your, your livelihood with it? Is it something you actually want? That's what you need to be focusing on. Stuff that you actually want, you know, Hey, I want a newer kitchen, whatever. It's outdated. I want to put in a new kitchen. Great. Right. Is it going to give you all the value back? Probably not. No, um, kitchens are good. Kitchens get close to the value that you put in. Um, flooring is another one that is close to the value you put in. Um, landscaping is the other landscaping, one. Landscaping, painting, um, but painting can be cheap. Um, and then that's, when it comes to like, you know, renovations, bathroom remodels, stuff like that. Uh, but you also you don't want to do it in a way that like only you are going to like it. 
<laughs> uh, so just be careful when you're picking out different, you know, fixtures and paint colors and stuff like that. Cause you don't want it to be so specific to you that nobody else is going to like it. Cause that could hurt you when you go to resell too. Did you pick out any of yours? Or um, did you, I did not No, did that was all? all the wife. Yeah. <laughs> she has great taste and she increased our value. So yeah. if it were me, um, People would have not wanted to buy our house. I don't know. <laughs> right. But I would have just gone to her for advice anyways. I yep. love her taste. So, um, but yeah, so going through that. And then um, the other thing you can do after you buy a house too um, is get to know your neighbors. And then especially if you buy in an HOA, there's so many people that um, go back and forth on whether or not an HOA is good or bad. Um I think that it's usually there for the right reasons, but can get annoying. Um, the neighborhood we lived in before had an HOA. We've gotten the letters where you need to clean your fascia or your sidewalk's dirty, stuff like that, which is annoying. However, it keeps our neighborhood clean. Uh, but then one day, all of a sudden, they were digging in our yard because they were putting in a speed limit sign. And then they put in like speed bumps throughout the neighborhood. Um, and that was something like I was unaware of, but I didn't go to the HOA meeting. I didn't read the letter they sent. So had I gotten involved, I would have, you know, known about that or been even, I don't know, possibly able to vote for or against it type of thing. Um, so there's benefits to having an HOA. Um, I would say if you're going to live in an HOA, being an active member or on the board can be helpful because um, you'll know about everything that's happening. But also just get to know your neighbors. Um, I grew up in a small little cul-de-sac where we knew all of our neighbors and it was just great Halloween garage sales, all that stuff. We all came together and stuff. Uh, so it's just, you know, you get to know people. Um, doesn't hurt you. Unless you're an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, stay inside and just yeah. wave. Just wave. But yeah, just and that's another thing. People need to wave. When you're wave. driving through a neighborhood. I'm the guy. I'll wave to everybody. Hey, how are you? And when the people look at me and then just don't do anything. Oh, Oh, I'm going to ram my car into you next time. <laughs> and I don't know why it makes me so mad. It's like, you might as well give me the bird. Or you could just simply wave back. And then that's my it. day's great. Yeah. That's like Are you a waver, Stephen? Are you a waver? I wave. God. And I get I very mad. This podcast right now. And I'm like, they made eye contact. They saw me. They saw oh, yeah. me wave. Yeah. It's like but my wife, my wife will not look at anybody driving by. She's just like tunnel vision. And I'm like, honey, they're they're waving. I, I wave for you. She's like, I don't I don't want to wave. But that rude, rude. You don't have to talk to him, you just gotta wave. Like, yeah, just wave. It's, it's like when when somebody crosses in front of you in the parking lot or a street and you let them go ahead of you, and you're like, yeah. either you wave at me or you act like you're running faster. Like I don't care if you move up, just look like you're moving faster. Yeah. Either wave, say thank you, or act like you're moving faster. Oh man, <laughs> waivers, non-waivers, get out of here. Uh, all right, so what about financial planning too? With it? You bought this house, we're talking about saving this money, what we can do is stuff, being friendly with our neighbors, but what other assets are you planning on purchasing in the future? Are there, you know, you have kids, you bought this house because, you know, you needed more space and you have kids now, you know, what college funds are you doing? You're looking at maybe vacation homes. In it. So these are a lot of things that people, I mean, there was a big, big increase. I mean, real estate has increased what? 
I'm trying to think what it is only six years out of the, like the 90 something years that I didn't increase. And, you know, Are you talking about appreciation? How many years yeah. you had like positive? Um, yeah, I think it's six. And then one of like, well, three of them were like 06, 07, 08, or 07, 08, 09, like that. Yeah. Um, and then one of the years was just flat. So it just didn't have an increase, but it was zero. You know, yeah. So not a bad thing. As you're paying down your mortgage, you're still seeing small increase. Um, I, I think this, like, everybody, not everybody, but most people, when they go to buy a house, they really budget. They figure out what they can afford. You know, how do we do this? They meet with loan officers like the us. They work on their credit. They do in this and that. You know, and then afterwards, they don't do that until they're ready to buy the next house. Then they kind of go through that process again. Like, how much money do we have in equity? You know, has my credit score increased or decreased or whatever? Um, and I just think it's one of those things like financial planning is something that you should be doing consistently even after you buy a house so that then you can plan for purchases in the future. Um, you can plan for allocating funds to, you know, college funds, um, you know, just planning for that, just like you did for when you bought your house, you know, sit down with a financial advisor, find out like what your 401k from your company is diversified in. You know, my financial advisor helped me change the stocks that the mortgage firm offers in our 401k. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I feel like so many people go through the planning process to buy the home and then stop after that. They don't continue to plan. They don't continue to budget the way they did before. Um, and I just, I'd like to see people continue doing that. You know what I mean? Exactly. You need to continue that process. You've already made it a habit. Continue that process because you never know what's going to happen you know, in your life with the home, with whatever it is. So you already have money saved. You have, you have all these things working to the best of you, you know, to you, like you just said, like you just tweaked your 401k, like, you know, it's a little better. Like most people will just set it and then forget it kind of thing. Right. And that's what happens. Hey, I bought the house. Now I forget everything I did. With it. Yeah. Yeah. People paying off debt in order to buy the house. And then, oh my goodness, they buy the house. You know what? Rooms to go, put it on a card. Home Depot, put it on a card. Next thing you know, they've got more debt now after they bought the house than they did before. You know, and that's usually not what we're trying to do. I understand sometimes uh, there's really good deals and 0% interest for six months. Well, you better still pay it off if you don't have the money. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, I just, I feel like you're setting yourself up for failure. Exactly. Uh, just, so just be careful with that. Um, and then I guess like, do you know what the number one thing I think people should do after they buy a house? Call me. Follow us on social media and listen to this podcast <laughs> to stay informed. <laughs> well, I want to I want to put it out there because we've been in our company in our coaching groups. We've been talking about these annual mortgage reviews, going over and trying to save people. This is not what we're talking about. This if anybody has a mortgage out there that wants a review, reach out to us. Happy to help you with it. And it's not about oh, hey, yeah. I have I have a three percent interest rate. There's what can you do for me? It's it's not that. We're looking at, is your insurance right? Is your taxes right? Is the yeah. mortgage make sense? I want to help you now. Is there a way that we can help you save money now? That's what we've been doing. All so, your current mortgage, not refinancing mortgage. it. You know, no, that'll come down. Refinance you. There's, there's a really small chance that it would make sense for you to refinance right now, unless we're looking at like debt consolidation and you've got a ton of equity. Other than that, there probably is no reason to refinance. Um, you know, but we're seeing some massive savings on current customers, you know, so uh, reminding them to file for Homestead. We've been looking at homeowners insurance policies, to see if there's any savings there. 
um, customer that we had um, that I had <laughs> bought two years ago. He's about to save $248 by removing his mortgage insurance. That's the biggest $248 a month. That is the biggest one. People that have gotten loans, conventional loans, less than 20% down, assume it will fall, mortgage insurance will fall off on its own eventually. No. If you do not trigger the trigger, I've got to find it. It doesn't yeah, matter. I've got to find it too, because somewhere, I think it's 12 years is yeah. when it will come off automatically. Or um, once you have like 30% equity to have it come off automatically. Otherwise it's 25%. Like if you look into it, because I used to think it was 20 or 22. Um, but more recently, I've got to find that thing from one of our MI reps. Uh, but it's 25% equity. But once you pass the two-year mark, you've got the 25% equity, you reach out to the servicer and you can request it be removed. Worst case, they do an appraisal. Okay, so you spend a couple hundred dollars. Most likely that's going to be like a desktop appraisal, you know? And so that's when you got to let them know if there have been a little upgrades and stuff like that. Um, but that's just an easy way to save money on your current mortgage. Yeah, and people were not doing it. Like you said, they did not, they just assumed. Right. Even though we have told them, and, and this came up on your annual mortgage review with your client, like, hey, you need to do this. And how much yeah. you're saving them. That one phone call saved them. $248 per month. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. Well, Derek, it's been great. Steven. Now we know what to do after we buy a house. You know, find a lender that is actually going to be your lender for life and not just do your hey. mortgage and, and say, hey, goodbye, we're done. Kind of thing. Like it's supposed to continue the relationship, make sure that everything is going good with you. Um, but thanks for being on. Hey, I love this podcast. So everybody listening, thanks for joining us. This is the Brutally Honest Loan Officer Podcast. We're out. Peace.